0: God who heals. There's a few things sort of embedded in that. That all he has to do is say, here's what you need to know. You refer to me as, you understand me as the God who heals. And then there's several things we need to understand. I think we'll study about, we'll consider three ideas tonight. That when God says, I'm the Lord who heals, here's the first thing we should think of. I need to recognize I'm sick. When God says, I'm the one who heals, I need to recognize, you know what? I've got problems. I've got got wounds. I've got injuries. Some of them self-inflicted. Others from people around me. But I have wounds and I have injuries and I've got problems and I need a physician. I need a doctor who's extremely powerful. As thankful as we are for those that can help us with our physical maladies, how much more should we be thankful for one who can handle our spiritual maladies. And so that's the first thing you need to understand. Let that sink into your mind, sink into your heart. We're sick and we need a physician. We need one that can heal us. Let's, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Before we look at Exodus 15, let's actually start in the New Testament. Let's start with Matthew 9, what Jesus said. Because numerous different times, Jesus is going to emphasize the point. My disciples recognize they have a need. I mean, that's the reason. And this is we're looking at Matthew nine. And so, let me make this observation real quick before we go and read Matthew nine. When Jesus started his public public ministry, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded beginning in Matthew chapter five. Remember the very first thing Jesus says: "Blessed are the poor in spirit." A simple way of understanding that is this: those who'll be blessed by me, those who'll be blessed by God, are those who recognize they have a need. They recognize that they're poor without God. They recognize that they're sick without God. They recognize they have a great, vast need that only God can take care of. And so this is what Jesus says in Matthew 9, Matthew 9, starting at verse 9. Look with me, Matthew 9, 9. Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he did. He rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table, In the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Can you just imagine this scene? The people that are the ones that all the other Jews, your average run of the mill Jew, would look at this crowd that's surrounding Jesus right now and be disgusted. And so, what they say is this Jesus is in Matthew's house, he's reclining at the table, doing that, engaging in that act of fellowship that is so special. And it says that when the Pharisees saw Jesus there with those tax collectors and those other sinners, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, to the disciples of Jesus, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12, when he heard it, he, that is Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. You could look in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, and the same story is told, the same bit of history is revealed there, that Jesus says, I've come to help those who recognize they're sick. I've come to recognize and come to help those who recognize that they have a deep need, that just... Other people on this earth can't take care of. The smartest, most brilliant of physicians on this earth cannot take care of. There's only one who can. He said, I've come to help them. I've come to help those who recognize they need help. Jesus would tell a a parable. We made reference to it briefly this morning. Maybe you'll flip in your Bibles to Luke 18 and look back at that well-known parable about the the Pharisee and the tax collector who go to the temple to pray, right? Right? And you recall what we made reference to this morning was the haughty nature, the arrogant nature of the Pharisee. This morning we talked about that guy who went to the temple and said, boy, God, I'm so glad I'm above and better than all these people around me. So glad I'm better than all these other sinners. You see, Jesus said, that guy didn't recognize he's sick. But then there's the other one. It says in Luke 18, verse 13, there was that tax collector. Remember, who was it that Jesus was eating with at Matthew's house? Who was it that was at the table with Jesus? Tax collectors, among other sinners. And it says in Luke 18, 13, the tax collector standing far off, because he recognized how sinful he was, he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, but instead he beat on his breast and he just simply said, God, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. He said this, God, please help me. I need to be healed. And so I'm coming to you. Yahweh Rophe, I'm coming to the one who heals because I need it so desperately. Let's go back in the Old Testament. Go to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, there's various times where the Lord will be very direct, very forthright. Because see, here's part of the problem. Just like with the Pharisee who didn't know, and just like those those Pharisees who said to the disciple of Jesus, what in the world is your teacher doing? eating with these sorry sinners. You see, sometimes we don't recognize that we're sick. And so when God says, I'm the one who heals, heals, you'd better recognize you're sick. You need someone who heal you. Because sometimes we don't. So this is what God says to those of us that, that won't see it, those of that keep the, the blinders on, those of it that are so arrogant and think that we're perfect and all the others need help. Listen to what God says to sinners. Isaiah 1, let's start at verse 5. Isaiah five. why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it. You know what it is for something to be sound? You know, we talk about sound doctrine all the time. Sound means healthy it means whole it means complete it means vibrant and alive sound doctrine is that which doctrine which gives life rather than death to people and so he says there's no soundness in this body of yours it's unhealthy it's sick bruises sores raw wounds and they're not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil Long story short, you know why this person here that the Lord is describing is so sick and why he has these wounds that won't be bound up? Because he won't turn to the one who heals. And so this is a call from God. God will go on to say, you better just shut the doors of the temple. You better just stop all these things. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you. Because until you recognize your sickness and my ability to heal, we're done. Because you will remain sick. You will remain in those sins, as it were, until you turn to me for healing. And that's one of the brilliant, beautiful, wonderful things. You just go over a few pages there in Isaiah. Go to Isaiah 6. And you know Isaiah 6. This is the passage where we have the, the call of Isaiah. Where he's going to be called by God to go and preach the message of the Lord to the people. And God tells him up front, now listen, they're not going to like it. A lot of them are going to stop their ears up and they're going to hurt you for saying it. But you've got to go give them my message. But it says there at the beginning part of Isaiah 6 that when Isaiah sees the beauty and glory and wonder and power of God that he recognizes his own sin. Isaiah 6, 5, he says, Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. In other words, when I recognize the majesty and the glory and the power of God, I see my sin. I need help. I need someone to doctor and clean these lips. Okay, one last place on this. Go to Jeremiah 8. Jeremiah 8, because this is the reaction we should have when we do recognize that we're sick. When we recognize we have a problem, we recognize that we have uh, a sin issue, a sin problem that's going to be taken care of by the one who heals. Jeremiah 8, let's start reading in verse 18. So, Jeremiah 8, verse 18. So, when we know that we're sick, here's the way we should plead for deliverance. Listen to this My joy is gone. My grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Behold the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. For the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn. And dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? In other words, the recognition is, I know there is a balm in Gilead. I know there is a healing power there because I know the Lord lives and resides there and sees. And so after all this time of selfishness, after all this time of being injured and hurt and let down, I am now turning to the one who can fix things. We're sick, and we must turn to the one who heals. So here's the second thing we learn when God reveals Himself as the one who heals. Not only we understand, okay, I'm sick and I need a healer. The second thing is God tells us, I'm the one who heals. So once you recognize you've got a need, you got to turn to a place, right? So if you're injured right here, right now, you can say, Okay, I'm hurt, but where do I go? You might ask, where's the closest? hospital where's the closest place where somebody can help where do I go well God says I'm the one who heals here's where we go to Exodus 15 where he reveals this to us recall we looked last time Exodus 14 you have the actual Exodus from Egypt the 10 plagues have just completed Uh, the Red Sea has opened allowed Israel to pass through closed up on Egypt the first part of Exodus 15 is the song Of Moses where Moses and the people sing and celebrate that they have been delivered by the powerful God then you know what happens next right they get out of Egypt they start wandering and so from then on it's just a a beautiful story of love and happiness right never any complaining never anything down no of course that's not right they go they complain they're given something then they complain then they're given something and then they complain and that's what's happened here they've been away get thirsty they need some water. They complain. They get hungry. They need some food. God gives manna and quail and all these things. So they, they go through these cycles. And so that's one of the cycles we're in here. Go to Exodus 15, verse 22. Exodus 15, 22. Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter Therefore, it was named. That's why they called it Marah, because it was bitter water. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, well, what shall we drink? He cried to the Lord. The Lord showed him a log, and so he took that log, and he threw it into the water. The water then became sweet. The Lord made for them a a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ears to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases on you that i put on the Egyptians. For listen to this, he says, here's how he reveals himself. I am the Lord, your healer. And so that's who he tells us that he is. I'm the Lord, your healer. So they came to Elam, where there were 12, listen to this description of where they come. It's a beautiful thing that God gives them. There they were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Doesn't that sound like a place that only God could invent? The multiple springs of water, the multiple palm trees. It's as if you're going from a place where it's, it's ugly and it's, it's hot and there's nothing to drink and there's nothing good. And then all of a sudden, here's the most beautiful sight you've ever seen. Maybe the very first time anyone ever said a sight for sore eyes right here because it's something beautiful and wonderful that only God could give. And he does it in the context of saying, I want you to know I'm the one who heals. Now, some 67 times in the Old Testament, God refers to himself or the writers of Scripture refer to God as the one who heals. And that's going to be in every kind of context. God is one who heals water. Well, we just saw that. There was water that was undrinkable. And God says, do X, Y, and Z, and I will heal the water. It'll be something you can drink and be the best thing you've ever had in your mouth. He heals water. He heals nations. He heals land. He heals all kinds of things, including healing people. He heals everything. In Isaiah chapter thirty, at verse twenty-six, the Bible says that the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days. In the day when the Lord binds up the broken, it's, here's what I want you to say. Let me. I should have prefaced this before I started reading. There's a, a progression here where the writer, where the prophet is going to say, here's how wonderful and powerful God is. Take the most beautiful thing you can conceive and, and think of, and then make it seven times more beautiful. Then make that even seven times more beautiful. And then make that even more beautiful. And it says, and this is where we get to our God, the one who heals and restores those who thought it was over. So I'll start over, Isaiah 30, 26. The light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. So there's your increase. Light of the moon, yeah, that's beautiful. It's not as intense as the sun. In fact, the moon only reflects the sun. So the light of the moon becomes the light of the sun, as it were. And then the light of the sun becomes sevenfold powerful. And then it's the light of seven days. In the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow, It's a beautiful thing to see and know that God heals. Let's go to the Psalms real quick. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. There's a couple different places here I want you to make note of that are truly incredible about this description of who God is and what he does for us. So, Psalm 103, let's start at verse 1. 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sounds like a song we sing sometimes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, here's a starting list of some of his benefits. It forgives all our iniquity and heals all our diseases. And one of the things we're going to see is that those two concepts are closely linked. Go to Psalm 147. 147. 147 again, the first three verses. 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord. For it's good to sing praises to our God. For it's pleasant and a a song of praise is fitting. It's the right thing to do to sing a song of praise to this God. Why? Well, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He's the one who's so powerful that he can name and number and direct the stars. But what we're concerned about is that he's the one who binds wounds. This is who he is. This is who he wants us to know who he is. He's the one who heals. So there we go. We've got the first two items on the list, but ready for the third now. God says, I'm the one who heals. Okay, I'm sick. Oh, okay, and you're the one who heals. So the next thing that I want to know, especially as I stand here in the 21st century, I want to know, well, how in particular, how specifically do you heal? You've revealed yourself to us in all this time as the God who heals, but how do you do that? Because I, I, I admit it, I, I, I submit, I bow before you, I acknowledge you as the God who heals. Now please show me how. So that's the third thing. The third thing is that the Father sent His Son to heal us. Go back to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We're going look at several things here in Matthew that will make this point for us very clearly we're going to make the move just like the new testament does we're going to make the move from jesus doing certain things physically jesus literally placing his hands on people and and healing their physical maladies to teach the lesson and make the point that he's here to heal spiritually so matthew chapter 4 beginning at verse 23. matthew four twenty three, the bible says he that is jesus went throughout all galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing Every disease and every affliction among the people. So his frame, his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons and those having seizures. They brought paralytics and he healed them. And so of course, great crowds followed him. from Galilee to the Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan, people came from all over to be healed by the one who heals. And so what does Jesus do? It says in verse 1 of chapter 5, he started to teach. He wanted them to know that even though, just because I'm the one who can heal physically, you need to know about how to be delivered eternally. Go over to chapter 8, Matthew 8. Matthew 8, 14. Jesus entered Peter's house, saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, that fever left her, and she rose up and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many others who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him as stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was, listen to this, he was pierced for our transgressions. It's about healing sin. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought peace. With all his wounds, we're healed. So Peter would write in 1 Peter two twenty four, He himself bore our sins on his body on the tree. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we're healed. He's the God who heals. One last place. Go to Matthew chapter 11 and we'll be done. Matthew 11. As we get ready to read this, I want you to think through it one more time. God says, Moses and all the people, you need to know who I am. Among many other things, I'm the God who heals. Ah, that means we're sick. And that means you're the one who delivers. And for us specifically, that means that he has sent one who will cure us of all things of all time and so Matthew 11 beginning at verse 2 now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ he sent word by his disciples and he said to him they said to Jesus are you the one who's to come or shall we look for another are you the one who's going to heal all things or are you just taking care of things physically for a moment shall we look for somebody else we were not sure how to make what to make of this Jesus said in verse 4, go tell John what you hear and see. Yes, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. In other words, Jesus says, Yes, I'm the one. I heal temporarily, I heal eternally, I heal physically, I heal spiritually. I take care of of broken skin and broken bones and broken lives. But most importantly, I take care of those that are broken spiritually. I heal. So the question for us then is just this. Do we need to be healed? We could look at so many other examples. Uh, We think of Naaman in 2 Kings 4 five who had the leprosy and and he needed to be cleansed and he was told to go wash well guess what today right here right now when there's people who come before the lord recognizing that they're broken recognizing that they're sinners who need to be saved you know what they're told be washed in the blood and you'll be healed jesus saves and it says in titus chapter 3 verse 5 jesus saves according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the holy spirit let us be thankful. Let's give thanks and praise for the God who heals. Because as we understand, every last one of us needs healing. And praise be to God, He has sent us the solution in Jesus the Christ. Do you need to fall upon your knees before the God? Ask for mercy from the God who heals? And guess what? This is an opportunity. This is a blessing from the God who heals for you to your wounds to be bound up even here and now while together we stand and sing.